You're listening to the Ones Ready Podcast, a team of Air Force Special Operators forged in combat with over 70 years of combined operational experience, as well as a decade of selection instructor experience. If you're tired of settling and you want to do something you truly believe in, you're in the right place. Now here's your favorite CCT personality, JTAC extraordinaire, embracer of the ridiculous face, and like the shortest operator you'll ever meet, Peaches. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Ones Ready Podcast. We're happy to have you. And again, thanks for joining us and tuning in. If you guys haven't already, go check us out on YouTube, Spotify, leave a review, leave us some stars, hammer that like button. And we appreciate it. It just helps out, uh, you know, us getting more subscribers and getting that information out there to everyone. So we've got something a little special for you guys tonight. Oh, before I do that, Check out our page for our recommended uh, reading list and also our partners uh, if you guys want a good discount. So uh, we got something special tonight. Um, I am probably well-versed in working with Tech Sergeant Cameron Spencer. He is the Tampa Special Operations Recruiter. Um, and I'd like you to introduce yourself if you don't mind. What's hey, up, no Cam? problem. Hey, hey. Uh, so like Pete said, my name is Technical Sergeant. Cameron Spencer. I'm with the 330th Recruiting Squadron as a Special Warfare Recruiter. Um, a little bit about me real quick. By trade, I'm an aircraft mechanic, a crew chief. I came in in 2008. Yeah, 2008. Did that for seven years in Nebraska, seven years straight in Nebraska, but lots of traveling Woof. around the world during that time. Why, yeah. would you, why, would you, why did you wear in Nebraska? More like Burr in Omaha. Was in, at oh, Omaha. yeah. That's what I'm talking about. I was there for you. Yeah. <laughs> Once it you was don't want it, you don't get beautiful. off. Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, after after those seven years, you know, I was really looking for something else. And it's it was very difficult to get off of off it. So I looked into special duties. It was something I had always wanted to do. Fun fact, I wanted to be an MTI originally. But at the time, E5s couldn't do it. It was uh, E6s only. So uh, a mentor of mine said, hey, you should be a recruiter. And it's kind of funny because when I joined, I told my recruiter, he's like, what do you want to do in the Air Force? I said, I want to travel and I hate people. So any job that is not customer service. Wow. And <laughs> hey, <laughs> nailed it. Boy, I hate to bring this up right now. I feel like it's real early in the podcast, but you sucked. That was a terrible, terrible. <laughs> should have gone SR. <laughs> I should have gone SR. That is true. <laughs> You know, he said, well, go work on planes. So it's, it's, and that's what it is. My customer was the plane. It is the pilot. And I got to travel, but after a while I wanted something different. And I found it kind of funny when my mentor said recruiting, I'm like me, a recruiter, I joined to not work with people. And that's the most customer service job that y'all have. He said, try it out. You'd be good with, with people. So I uh, went to recruiting school, actually had a blast with it, went into our normal recruiting enlisted sessions in upstate New York. In Albany, I thought that upstate New York was like a lot like New York City. That's why I chose it number one. I was nah. not right. Nah, dog. <laughs> Man, you're, you suck again. Why? <laughs> I do. I do. Bad choices, but bad choices that turned into great choices. Um, I did three years there before the 330th was stood up, uh, 2017. I got snatched up from there. And then around two years ago now, late 2018, I got orders to Tampa to continue doing special warfare recruiting. So that's what I, I do now. That's a little bit about me. Awesome. All right. Um, so 
We're going to have a little different format than what we're normally doing. Uh, we'll call it like a two minute or three minute drill. And I'm going to ask questions that we've got from all of the viewers and our followers on Instagram. So as a, as a baseline going in though, I, we have not reviewed any of these questions. Like I literally have my phone out right now. Let's put the disclaimer out off. there right you, now. I don't, I don't what know what's going on. We didn't even decide to call it a two-minute drill, which seems like the world's easiest slam dunk or touchdown, if you will, considering football starts tomorrow. And Peaches is still over here like, I don't know. We might call it a three-minute drill. No, Peaches, it's a, a two-minute drill tied into football. What's up? Yeah, I, I don't want to get everybody too excited about football starting. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so as a disclaimer, anything that is asked medical-wise, I'm going to skip. And the reason why is because one's ready. Anybody on this and Tech and Spencer are not authorized. We are not professionals in it. We, all we can do is advise. And even then that is not a great uh, deal. So we will not answer any of these. Uh, if there, if there are medical questions, I haven't seen any yet, but we'll, we'll see. So, all right. So I'm going to, I'm going to toss you a softball. And uh, I'm sure one of the guys will, will uh, you know, tag in on it. But what, the first question is, uh, <laughs> on a first date, UDT shorts or Ranger panties? <laughs> That's easy. Okay. Yo, how, right. I mean, should we just all say it at the same time? Like, we should just go one, two, three. Spencer, what you got? Um, probably the Ranger panties. I have more than I than I how should for no good reason. dare you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you? You know, it's just because you haven't had your life changed by UDTs yet, I think. So once you get a pair of good, just that canvas brown UDTs, you just got two little D-rings that you, you sort of like tie up. <laughs> I got to be honest with you, man. They're, it's a free. Those, those are harder I mean, for us regular guys to get, for us normal folks. That's true. I mean, it depends on like also if it's going out to wear them or underneath, because that was actually my underwear for a long time after so long. I finished. Why did we all do yeah. that? Why do we all, why. like, was, that was We were just so like, proud. <laughs> it's like, I have to wear on? these out. Yeah. You're like, yeah. yep, check it out. Yeah, check it. So everybody answered their door, and that's all they were wearing for, like, <laughs> yeah. eight years. Chores around the dorms, you're always wearing those things. And anything. Car washes anything at McDonald's, raising funds for the team. Who knows? Oh, yeah. <laughs> all right. Now, on to some more serious questions. Just wanted to break the ice a little bit. Um, so, uh, Cameron, or Techstar and Spencer, if you have self-eliminated in the past, can you retry? Can you come back? And are we talking about in the pipeline or are they talking about? Yeah, in the, in okay. the, in the pipeline, if they're at ANS mm -hmm. or, they're, or they're prep or I guess really anywhere in the pipeline, if they decide to self-eliminate, can they come back in the future? Yeah, so a, a lot of people think you're in a, on an internal blacklist you know hey if you if you self-eliminate during that now if you do anything violent of course you self-eliminate by striking an instructor or something uh yeah you're not coming back and you probably won't have a career in the air force uh, either but if you do self-eliminate you know maybe this was just a factor of you need some years of mature you know maybe you do need to physically get stronger but probably more on the mental part then yes you know these career fields will always be you know, undermanned by, by nature. So taking those few years and waiting for your retrain, retraining window to open and then making that switch is a possibility. Okay. I said the too, like it, when you, when you come back, you're going to need to be like very, very honest 
and, and know yourself very well when you start talking to the people when you come back. Uh, you can't just, if you come in with like a list of excuses why you didn't make it and it's somebody else's fault or anything along those lines, uh, you're, you're not going to get picked Cadre up. didn't like me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's, that's it. They had it out for me, man. That's I did it. 58, I did 58 pushups. He only counted 51. He failed me on my eval. It's terrible. His name's Brian Silva. <laughs> yeah. And real quick, did you get a lot of people that had uh, incident where they striked instructors or struck instructors at some point? Cause I've actually never How run into that, that before. I, yeah. I, I, I gotta be honest with you. I'm on a firm. I wish MF would have. <laughs> yeah. like, usually I was trying to fight. I don't know. That'd be interesting. Never, bit, yeah. No one's ever heard of him because I wonder what would happen to him afterward. So no, I have not heard anything yet confirmed. Uh, the, yeah. the only thing I've seen is a get out of the pool and I was still in the pool guy got out of the pool grabbed the bullhorn said i quit and then he smashed it on the pool deck which just spiked the spiked the bullhorn yeah i'm not mad did, at it did not go over very well but whatever okay uh on to the next and this is this is a great question for you spencer uh if you're 17 and you're interested in spec war what do i do <sighs> Talk to a recruiter. Oh, God, how many times? Five podcasts in a row. I'm sorry. Go ahead. All of us us on three. One, two, no. Um, I was ready. This this is a tough one, but talk to a recruiter. Uh, 17, you are eligible to enter. Of course, you need parental consent. No big deal. But contact a recruiter. Get your pre-qualification done to make sure you even qualify for the Air Force. Special warfare or not. You're still part of the Air Force, and you got to qualify for the Air Force. So reach out to a recruiter, plain, plain and simple. And and how would we find one of those guys? Because apparently it's really difficult to find a recruiter <laughs> just based on my experience. <laughs> <It's so tough. laughs> well, luckily for you, I have the guide here. It's oh, really man. <laughs> no, it's it's really simple. Airforce.com. Find a recruiter. If you can't remember that link, go to Google. Air Force recruiter. And, and study really hard for your ASVAB because it's going to be difficult if you can't remember that. Yeah. <laughs> I like no sleep, Brian. Yeah. No sleep, Brian is yeah. way meaner than actually awake, Brian. Yeah, if you guys didn't know, I just uh, had my third kid, so I'm kind of sleep depth right now, and I'm just you know we don't know going what he's going to say. Yeah, I don't know what I'm full disclosure. I'm hallucinating right now on, on yeah. the group chat. Brian came in like a wrecking ball. We were like, all right, cool, yeah, man, no no problem, get some sleep. Brian's like, oh, I'm on this one, and all of us were like. A word? A word. I'm awake. I'm getting on this. I need to break this routine in zombie mode. Yeah, yeah. Start thinking a little bit, maybe. I don't know. All right. Uh, hey, yeah. Let me add on to that, too, because I know Bull brought it up, and it's something that I think I just answered on your page earlier today. Someone saying they couldn't reach a recruiter. Uh, if that happens, one, you can speak to a normal recruiter, right? Call them, text them, email them. If you have to go to their office, it's really up or up and down, you know, depending on where you are with COVID right now, go to the office. If you go online and you can't reach them on the website, enter another zip code, special warfare, or check no to special warfare. We we work very closely with our uh, normal enlisted accession recruiter. So they know where we are. They know our contacts. So basically just use every route to find someone. We we get paid to be here. We are here. Yeah, and- you have a pretty dope Instagram page too, don't you? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Tampa. That Air Force Spec War. Dot Recruiter. If you go there, you message me. Um, I will help you find out, find who your recruiter is. Since you couldn't find it on AirForce.com for some odd reason, I will help you find it. Tom, uh, just assume. Let's just assume that they tried to find a recruiter first. We're, we're going to always assume. Ran into a wall. Always assume. 
best of intentions. <laughs> it's just sometimes stuff that happens. So, you know? so since since we're on this road, what is like, you know, we we have all received it, and and Spencer, you and I have spoken about this before because guys say guys or girls say, hey, I haven't heard back from my recruiter or my sore, and and I ask, okay, well, how long has it been? Oh, it's been two days. Like, hey, listen, that's not that long in reality. So what would you say if if a candidate or recruit does not hear back from their recruiter, whether it's phone call, text, email, what is too long or what should, you know, if they keep pinging these, these guys, at what point should they, you know, enter in another zip code? So whenever we get leads from, let's say, airforce.com, fill out an application and it tells you to wait. I think it usually is five to seven business days. With COVID, I think it's saying seven to 10 business days. But if you're sending that text, right, and it says right after it, and you're like, this recruiter is just blatantly ignoring me. No, they're, they're not. You know, there's, you're probably one of around 20 to 30 texts that day, and they're in the middle of an appointment with someone or one of these Zoom calls, Zoom appointments we're in. Uh, all day with candidates and they just don't want to be rude to the person in front of them. And sometimes they just slip things, things get buried. So I would say to answer your question directly, Peach, if you've tried to call text them, you know, at least three, four times, four days in a row, and you haven't had any response, reach out to that next zip code. Most of the time they're going to tell you that recruiter is on leave. That's paid vacation time, or, you know, maybe that office is vacant and that normal recruiter will tell you exactly who to reach. They will have a contact of who uh, who they can reach, whether it's, that, it's their boss or the recruiter who's standing in for them at the time. The website just doesn't automatically update two days after a new rec- an old recruiter leaves. It normally takes a few weeks. So reach out to a regular recruiter. They will definitely put you, uh, put you in the right place. Awesome. And on that note, real quick, uh, Sergeant Spencer, I just want to say thanks for, you know, forwarding all those questions that come across our desk and people that are outside of your zip code and stuff. Cause you don't have to do those kind of things. It's for you guys that don't are unaware. He's only in charge of a certain zip code in a certain area, but he answers all these questions because he cares about the job of the people that are coming into it. So I appreciate that. Um, and I've sent a lot of people to you as a resource to get to the right person because like, like, uh, preach said, we're not recruiters. We don't know everything about the recruiting world. That's your guys' job and your guys' realm. We're not going to try and step over that, but I appreciate the things that you're doing on Instagram. Absolutely. Likewise to y'all. So, uh, do, do we want to cover recreational drug use or just leave that one? Ugh. Come on. Like, ugh. yes, come on. Yes, blanket statement. <laughs> oh no. Well, no. okay. Uh, I will. Is I, 10 times too much? 20 times? I don't know. What's, what's the limit? <laughs> All right. I said, I'm here for any questions you want to throw at me. So I'm, okay. I'm ready for any okay. challenge. Well, I'm going to read it verbatim. Cause I actually like the way it's worded. And this is, I am, okay, quote, just so everybody doesn't think that this quote. is me asking it. This is not, Peach does not, <laughs> does not endorse the following statement. Quote. Easy OSI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, take it easy. Mm. Quote, I used to smoke the devil's lettuce, but never used another <laughs> substance. Does Uncle Sam still want me? So just quick pause. If he did not get that from Zach Braff's podcast, uh, Real Doctors, Fake Friends, or Fake Doctors, Real Ooh. Friends, you are a liar. Zach Braff refers to it as the devil's lettuce all the time. All right, go ahead, Sergeant Spencer. <laughs> devil's lettuce, over to you. All right, devil's lettuce. I'm pretty sure I know what he's talking about there. Uh, Uncle Sam still still wants you, but not if you're still harvesting 
the lettuce on a daily basis. Okay. <laughs> you have to be off of marijuana. Let's be clear for everyone for at least 45 days before you join. Here's a warning. If you're thinking about cutting it close, so you think you'll slip by, there's a drug test at the military interest and processing station or MEPS. If you pop positive, you ain't joining the air force ever. You know, that's it. And huh. if you think, well, I'll just make it through MEPS. And then before I leave, I'll have a, a big old party. You'll have a drug test almost immediately when you arrive at BMT. And it takes a a couple, a a while for the results to come back. And here's a secret. The fastest way to get out of BMT is actually going through BMT. Is it graduate? Positive. Yeah. Yes. If you pop positive, you're going to be there for a very long time while they process your paperwork. So yes, you can use marijuana or experiment with it in the past. It's just in the last 45 days, you cannot to start the process. Cool. What are uh, what are the age limits to join Aspect War? Seventeen to thirty nine. Okay. So, and this question is for real. How old is too old? I, I'm going to throw that to Brian because he was at uh, at Indoc. <laughs> like, what are some yeah, of the oldest of- guys that you saw going through? There are literally forty year olds that were going through when I was an instructor at Indoc, and we you know, made fun of them all the time because they were older and they dealt with it. I think they honestly did a pretty good job for the most part. We've talked about this a little bit before and it was that mindset of where there's no, no going back. They have family, they have, you know, they've been dedicated to this, um, whatever they ended up going in the air force for it. And, um, I think they did a great job for the most part or they have something to fall back on. It's either, you know, 50, 50. Awesome. I don't know. We, we answer this one a lot too. Like no matter how many times we're like, guys, like it doesn't matter what we say anyway. It doesn't matter if I tell you 39 is too old. It doesn't matter if what I think is impossible or if I think it's it's well, we, too old. As long as you're underneath that time and you're going to go do it, like just go be successful, you know? Yeah. Well, we, I mean, we to, to stick up for those guys a little bit, that we do have new listeners that don't go back and listen to 41 or whatever other episodes that, we've got. Does that make so, it 100 now? Are we up to 100 yeah. listeners yet? It'd be a lot cooler if they did. <laughs> be, it would be a lot cooler if you did go back and listen to that episode. Right? <laughs> okay. Hey, to add on to what he said, because you're probably wondering, I said 39, and then uh, Brian just said, well, I've had 40-year-olds. So when you have active service under your belt, let's say you did serve in the Guard or the Reserve full-time or active duty and got out, we actually subtract. some. It's a long formula, but we subtract some of the years off of your age based off your service. So if you're 44, and I'm spitballing here, but if you're 44 trying to join again and you served a four-year contract 10 years ago, we actually, or if you're 43, we actually consider you 39. Basically, they think you were in the military, so you aged slower. Don't know how true that is, but that's I how that happens. I don't think that's accurate. I, don't, I think that changes once you're actually in the career field, but it's a little <laughs> bit different on the back end. Mass a little fuzzy. Just you're 39 years old, right? Just accept mm-hmm. it and uh, say, yes, I'll go and do whatever I got to do to be a PJ or whatever. Exactly. All right. Um, Trent, I'm going to throw this one to you. Uh, but if you don't know it, obviously pun it. But I think you do. Please say daily life. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, man. I <laughs> what wish does it, I what wish does SR do? What is, what is day-to-day life of an SR guy? <laughs> <laughs> what happens when a candidate fails ANS, uh, but they have a SWOE? I'm sorry. They fail ANS? Yeah. And what? Like they're, yeah, like they're they in fail SWOE. Or they're, not, or they're not selected for, and they're SWOE. Well, then you get um, you don't get the one of the one Zulu AFSCs if you fail out, and then it's uh, needs the Air Force. So like there's a when you get reclassed, there's there's a list 
of everything that the Air Force needs like right now. And then, you know, we go to these candidates or former candidates and we say, what do you want to do? And we look at their, their scores and everything else like that. And, and sometimes it really works out. Like, uh, we'll be like, hey, do you, what do you want to do? And they, they tell us, like, contracting, right? Because everyone wants to go to contracting, which is almost impossible to get. But if they have the scores and contracting happens to be number one on the list that they need to fill that day for some reason, they have an open seat, they're going to match you with that, right? So, like, they're going to go through the list and see what they can match you with. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's uh, needs the Air Force, whatever needs to be filled. That's where you're going to go. Yep. Sweet. Uh, I'm going to answer this one. It's the question is how often do you guys see retraining slots for E6? It doesn't matter whether you're an E4, E5, E6. The reason why we tell people to not delay or to go in or, and not to go into another job in hopes of cross training is because cross training slots are never a guarantee. Uh, I think it was this last cycle or the cycle before they, they released zero slots. So all these guys that were hoping, uh, you know, to chase their dream and, and do it could not do it because the air force said, we're not releasing any slots. So don't delay. Was it, was it TMA that explained that process really con- concisely? And it's because the cross training slots, like they're betting on you as a, as a, uh, you know, somebody without that, that, um, institutional knowledge, right? Like somebody comes in the pipeline, they get out as an E4, they have all that time to orient to the job and become a leader. And then they have time to go up through the ranks and and be a leader in those career fields. Well, when you cross train as an E6, and that's why they didn't release any of those slots. When you cross train as an E6, pretty soon you have a whole contingent of leadership with less than five years of experience on the teams. And they have to, they have to watch that throughout all of the communities, not just, you know, the AFSPEC work communities, but all the communities. Imagine if you just turned over all of your top leadership in favor of a bunch of cross trainees because you put out 10 slots in a year. That would just wreak havoc. So I think it was TMA that explained that one pretty well, but I might be wrong. Yeah, it was either him or Chief Gilmain. But I, I think, think it, it might have been Chief Gilmain, now that you mention it. Yeah, the, the, there is a way to do it. And whether they're showing slots or not, you can still uh, submit your your paperwork or get a hold of one of the, uh, the MatchCom functional managers that handles... Uh, that kind of stuff. And if you, if for some reason you're exactly what we need, uh, we'll make it happen. So that, that it's not, it's almost never an absolute no. Um, but especially like as an E6, it's going to be a, it's going to be a hard look. Yeah. Okay. On to the next question. This one's for you, Spencer. What is the time length normally between first contact of a recruiter and then signing up and departing for BMT? Ooh, so I love that question because it's like most recruiting questions, they're not, it's not a black and white answer, right? Um, so the context I normally get that question, that question is how soon can I get a contract? And then I return the question with how soon can you get a contract? Like how soon can you meet the physical requirements and the past requirements and exceed them? And then we have to take into account our ship days, right? Now, the Air Force ships off people every single Tuesday and graduates people every Friday like clockwork. For special warfare, because of these pipelines and the schools and prep and all that, we only have five ship days a year. So, you know, our next ship day is coming up in November, and those slots are pretty much spoken for. So if you came to me today, right, and we got you through MEPS and the, and the ASVAB in, in three weeks, you're not leaving until probably that February ship date. And to be and clear, it. to be clear, it's the 9th of September that we're recording this right now. Okay. Yeah. Um, thank you. So you're looking at February and that's if assuming 
you're meeting the past standards and exceeding them by that time as well. So overall, you know, what we, what I tell my guys out here and our, uh, at least our boss is you have four to six months, not, not pending that, that ship window. Like you have four to six months maximum to be passing the past. Because if you, just in my experience doing this job, if you're not passing that pass in four to six months, that means you're not doing the necessary things in your own workout time to get there. I know the most out of shape recruiters who can do some pull-ups and run like crazy and at least beat the bare, meet the bare minimum standards of a pass. And you mean to tell me this is your dream job and you're 18, 19, 20, 25 and healthy and can't meet these standards in six months? We spit and fire, spit and fire. I'll calm down. I'll call. I'll bring it down a little bit. Who are the five hottest uh, sores in the game? Spencer, Spencer, <laughs> Spencer, Spencer, and Spencer. <laughs> you got me going off for a second, but four to six months is normally the rule, but you have a year in the delayed entry program before we have to discharge you because you're, because your stuff, your time in the delayed entry program expires. So I know it's not a concrete answer, but most of the people I work with, they're going out the door between three to six six months full at bmt okay cool uh all right so real, real quick i just want to uh, add on to that um i think that's really important what you just said those guys that are like oh, i'm hesitant to go talk to a recruiter because i know they're going to try and ship me off or whatever as soon as i want like you guys work with the guys and work out whatever date is most appropriate for them right you know they don't just you don't just say hey we have a spot in two months you're going signed up for whatever no <laughs> one no. zulu you're going <laughs> Like a lot of people will approach me and they, they mention that like, should I go talk to a recruiter right now or whatever? And it's obviously the same answer over and over again. But, um, you know, those guys that are scared, don't, don't be worried, worry about it. You're in charge. You're in charge of your life. You know, like you said, you have a year. So you say you work with a recruiter and they tell you what dates are available and then you go out there and pick them. It's not like they're going to say you're leaving next month, shipping off to, to freaking Indoc or whatever. Vietnam. No, it does yeah. not. It, it doesn't. Infantry, 0300, it, you made it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm glad you said that. I just had a talk this morning with someone who was like, I'm living in another state and I'll be shipping out of Tampa um, in three weeks. I said, why? What's this three weeks number? He's like, that's when, you know, I'm going to, I'm like, so wait, are you thinking that after speaking to me today that you're going to be in basic training in three weeks? He said, well, yes. I said, sir, sir, let's talk a little bit more. Let me explain this to you. That's that's not how it works. So thank you for saying that, uh, Brian. Yeah. yeah. I just want to be clear that's, with you guys. That's what yeah. Brian does. Brian, Brian just comes in and cleans up my mess. So <laughs> <laughs> There's no mess. There's no mess to clean up. I love it. All right, AA Ron, this one's for you. Oh, here we go. Uh, this, this is the easy one. Can you do special warfare and go to college at the same time? Absolutely. I've been doing it for 10 years. Um, no, absolutely. You can. So <laughs> that's a funny joke. College only takes, yeah. College only takes four years, guys. Um, but, uh, yeah, absolutely. You can. Right. So it's about time management. It's about getting past, you know, what I recommended is a, as a three level, as a, as kind of like a junior five level, when you have a ton of stuff to do and you're, you're out to the winds. If your time management is really good, is really good and it's important to you, then absolutely you can 100% do college. And actually we recommend it. We push people towards college your entire career. We put a high value on getting higher education, not to, you know, to include CCIF. So community college of the air force, which is an associate's degree that you can get in the air force, but that higher education and trade schools as well. If you don't know, we have the air force cool program where you can go get a certification. I've had friends use it to get their uh, advanced free fall 
license. I had a couple of SEER friends that went down and they used the cool program to actually get a certification to be better free fall instructors and coaches. So there's a million things out there for higher education and you certainly can. You just have to remember what comes first. It's the mission. It's your primary job and your primary duty. And then after that, yeah, absolutely. We actually encourage people to go and get that higher education, get that college. Yep, absolutely. Um, this one is for Spencer, especially since the special operations recruiters work directly with what are called developers and they hold development sessions. And you guys also hold your own PT sessions. I know that we've, we've shared videos that you've put up on Instagram of sessions that you yourself have put on, which are pretty awesome. And you've got a fantastic developer that you work with who's a retired, uh, he was a tech PE and then he was a controller and then he retired, but so he's a, he's a stud, but the question is, can an ANG or an Air National Guard candidate attend the training active duty candidates get to do, i.e. the development sessions prior to going to MEPS? Okay, so good question. Um, so I'm an active duty recruiter, right? So that's, our program is for active duty. When you're going Air National Guard, your process works differently. You're typically going to that guard unit you know, and you are kind of getting sponsored by them. Like they're having their own past elections and you're working out with them. Reserve does the same thing. We have this PJ unit out on the, on the space coast. Um, and you work with them, you train with them. So that question sounds like someone who probably hasn't reached out to the guard unit they want to join yet. Uh, but once you reach out, yeah, they're, they're investing money in you. So that guard unit isn't, it's probably not, going to take, Hey, I'm working out with this dude in Tampa. You guys just be ready to pay for my training when it's time. Nah, nah, bro. They're going to want to work with you. So that's going to be your, 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 your route. Nah, bro. I like it. Get out of here. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I do have a question though. So does, do, are you aware of that? Does the air national guard have their own development program? I know there's the development program for active duty, but I would ask a developer this, but we, I cannot get them on the show. We've tried so many times. So we're not, you're not talking about like the development program before BMT, or are you talking about the schoolhouse, the prep? You're talking, talking about the development program. Aspect here. war development. Yeah. The de yeah. The development program. No, I think that's, I think that's just active duty. And I believe the guard units, those, those men, they, they take care of their own candidates that they send up. Like I said, it's coming out of that base's money, that unit's uh, pot. So I do not believe that T3I works with them. Maybe wrong, but I've never heard of a T3I air national guard type deal. Hmm. All right. We'll keep trying to figure those questions out. They always pop up. And this is a, this is a good question that I have actually not seen before, but it's probably one that Spencer you've, you've dealt with a lot, I imagine. But uh, the question is, when should I start putting together my medical history? How long does it normally take as in, so, you know, he's, and I know we said, we're not going to answer any medical questions, but this one's not a, Hey, I have this. So he's got to gather his medical. How long, I mean, what all does he need to grab and how long does that take normally? Okay. That's, that's a good, easy question. And this is something that I tell people, even if you're not ready to reach out to a recruiter, have the medical documents ready, like start working on that stuff. Um, just have it in your back pocket because if you call me and you, and you say, yeah, I have this, but I already have all the documents. I'm going to say, yo, this is money. Like you just saved us some, some real time. So what type of documents you need? Whatever it is, whatever surgery or operation or that you had, go go to your hospital and gather all of those docs. 
from the ER visit to the, the final time you saw the doctor, then typically a current evaluation, basically saying, hey, six years ago, I did fracture my arm, um, but I saw the doctor and he says, I'm clear for military service, all high impact activities. You bring those two together, we submit them to uh, our MEPS doctors. Now, this is going to vary. I'm in Tampa, which I think last I heard is one of two or the busiest MEPS um, in the United States. So here, if I turn in paperwork, typically within five to seven business days, the chief medical officer will say, yes, this person's good to process. We need more documents or no, they're disqualified. If you are disqualified, there's only one person who can trump a chief medical officer, officer at a MEPS. And that is the Air Force Surgeon General Office. That process, they have, uh, this quarantine has been messed up. I believe they have 60 business days. It's 45 to 60 business days to review your, your documents and come up with an, an answer if you're good to serve or if, you, if you're not. So hopefully you don't have to get to that Surgeon General part. But if you do, spend that time training. But typically, once you have all the documents, features, um, and whoever asks that question, once you have the documents, man, we submit that stuff and 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 keep and keep moving. So do that immediately. Reach out so, to a recruiter over the phone, figure out what you need. But I just gave you the bare bones basic of what you you can start doing on your own. So just a quick follow up on that one because I get this question a lot. Also, people would tell me like they failed the hearing test or they failed their whatever vision color blindness whatever test, and it goes from maps. They said I failed. What do I do now? You said that the recruiter should automatically go up to the Surgeon General, or is there something else that they have to do in order to no. reach that level? Good question, especially with SWOE, because there's changes here, right? PJCCT, formerly South, South T, all had different requirements, even for medical, made, made it pretty crazy. So let's say you go there, you fail color vision, right? I see a lot of people who are like, so-and-so told me that I, I go get my color vision done and you have to send it back to, to MEPS. The CMO does his job when he disqualified you. That's all he has to do or she. They do not have to invite you back at all. You're, you're done in their eyes, right? That's why for SWOE, you don't need color vision to actually get a contract for special warfare, special warfare operator enlistment because you will have another physical, your spec war physical, when you get to basic training. So the color vision test you have at BMT, it's the Ishihara test, the color plate test. And you know, in BMT, you have the more advanced CCT, the color clone test. Um, so what I have people do is if, if they fail it, go get that test done with your primary, your ophthalmologist, ophthalmologist, whoever does it, just so you have that feeling, of, hey, I know I'm going to be good when I get to BMT. Mm. But if you fail that stuff, um, those specific things you need for special warfare, chances are you can still get a swoey contract, but you'll be rolling the dice uh, when you get to BMT. But it's better to try than just come in as a normal yeah. job and never know. So. Mm -hmm. Nailed it. <laughs> um, okay. I got uh, one for Trent. Uh, typical uh, length of an SR deployment. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Yeah, he was he was done. Um, okay, uh, but seriously though, is anything in BMT different for spec war candidates compared to regular enlisted? Yes, 
Uh, you, uh, you're going to be grouped together. We do our best to group everybody together. And then the, the, the PT sessions, at least it, it was. Um, things have been a little bit different recently. Uh, but if things go back to normal, uh, you'll, you'll get a, uh, a land-based past just to see where you're at. And you'll get extra PT time. So you'll actually have some of the, the coaches that also work at prep and some of the cadre come over and, uh, and run you through a little bit of extra PT and, and a couple different tests just to see where you're at and gather some data. Oh, so there's a nasty little rumor going around, Spencer, that you guys, Uh-oh. that the sores hate prior service folks. What's up with that? <laughs> oh, how dare you? How dare you? I, I, hey, not I didn't come I, up with it. It's right here. <laughs> it's not, it's, what did they type? Why do y'all hate prior service? Is that what, what they wrote in there? No kidding. Why do you hate uh, prior service folks? Just kidding. Yeah. But, sure. but seriously. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't hate prior service. That's, that is uh, a myth. Okay. The, we get calls from prior service all the time, not just special warfare recruiters, like so many people. Army, Navy, Marines. Hey, I made a mistake. Can you take me back? And it's like, hey, sorry, there's just not a lot of slots available for prior service when it uh, compared to non-prior prior service. But we don't hate them. We have actually, we like them so much. We created this year, the beginning of this year, a specialized recruiter who's only focused. It's prior service. So Can those, we please get that information out. We get this kind of like, I mean, literally we're going to do a whole <laughs> podcast on it. Yeah, there's 11 of them. So we all used to work prior service, but they said, hey, we need to do better with prior service and our officer program with these candidates. So they created these positions called special programs managers. So all they have to focus on is not non-prior service and, oh, I'll fit in prior service when I can. It's like, no, their main mission is helping our prior service people. So if you are non, I mean, if you are prior service and you want to join, first of all, don't get on the phone with a request, a sore like me and speak to me for 10 minutes and say, Hey, I'm actually prior service too. Cause you just wasted my time. So as soon as you get on the phone say, Hey, I'm prior service. I'm interested in special warfare. And they will give you the direct number or email, whatever to a special programs manager. And that will be your man or woman. So we don't, we don't hate y'all. Got nothing but love for you. Nothing but love. Nothing but love for all of y'all. <laughs> okay. Well, I will, I, I will say this about the prior service, though. You need to bring it, right? If, we, if we're throwing tip, if we're going tip for tat right now, like for, for prior service, those expectations, you know, they're a lot higher, right? You, you're not going through the traditional BM, you know, BMT special warfare prep, at least for now, you're doing that phase one and phase two. So if you're coming and I invite prior service out to my non-prior service uh, development sessions, just to show them, I'm like, you're probably going to be picked as an informal leader since you had eight years of service. I said, you see that 19 year old right there who just knocked out 20 pull-ups who just ran at 830 and did a hundred pushups or not that many, 80 pushups and sit-ups. Like <laughs> he just crushed you. Like to give them an idea of where they need to work. So I would say if you're a prior service, you need to be realistic and make sure you are not an average. I'm sorry to say it, you know, leave no doubt when it comes to your physical ability. Well, in, in prior service, like no, you know, we tell this to NPS all the time. 
Um, but like prior service, they need to be ready. It's like the hardest job interview that they've had ever. And if you show up unaware, it's like, what, what are you even talking about? You should be the top of your game. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Yes, yes, sir. Okay. Brian, once you become a PJ, is it just automatic? You get great hair. <laughs> You're actually born with the great hair and then the PJ, you know, finds you and then you end up becoming the PJ. So yeah, the job, honestly, you know, ended up finding me. I told a lot of people that I started going as a uh, airborne linguist first and that didn't work out because I guess my hair was too good and I ended up failing the D lab. And then I ended up going for PJ instead. Cause my recruiter recommended that he showed me a video and I was hooked by that point. He's like, you'd fit right in. Uh, okay. Man, we actually have sleep. CCTV cameras, a BMT it runs a very complex algorithm when they show up, get off the bus <laughs> and we identify those people that we need to pull over. It's like the heat cameras at the uh, Vegas casinos. They just, they evaluate your hair and they're like, oh, this is it. This is the guy. We found him. We actually used to have, we used to actually used to have a joke that the commandant, when I was uh, the instructor supervisor, would have like a little Photoshop type of thing. And he'd put, you know, a beret on top of people's heads and see like, does that look good? Does it look like a PJ or does he not look like a PJ? Because if he doesn't, then he's out of here. Oh it's a God, joke, like a obviously. Photoshop. We didn't really oh. do that. Yeah. Did you just, did you just reveal the ANS selection? Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah, yeah, that's the actual exactly. board. Everybody I mean, there's a guy. Chicken bones now. Everybody knows what's up. Man behind the curtain just lining up a beret on top of your head. Whether or not it fits, then you know, you're in or not. I had the best, and the colors I had the best PT scores. What the hell? What the hell, man? Sorry, you didn't pass the beret test. Doesn't yeah, count. Here's the spoiler alert. Ber- Guess what, everybody? It's one color beret. Everybody's going to freak out now. Ooh. It's a Photoshop <laughs> joke. Shut up, everyone. Sorry. <laughs> Damn. All right. Uh, I want to I revisit developers uh, for a second. So, yeah. Spencer, how does uh, Special Warfare Prep develop individuals? Like, what are the main skill sets that are focused on during these development sessions? Thank you so much for this question. This is what I love about this job right here. Uh, our developer is amazing. I had an amazing developer before him, a 30-plus year PJ um, that covers now the whole East Coast, and we have our, our, our chief now. Uh, retired many years of service. So the relationship that we have, him and I are are in lockstep. You know, it's my job to find these folks, screen them, um, and make sure these people actually want to be here. And he comes around my parts a couple times a month, a few times a month now, and I say, hey, Chief, here are the three or four guys I met over the last few weeks. I think they're actually worth their their stuff. Let's see what you think. You know, he's a professional, right? He's from the career field. From then, he always accepts the people that I bring him because I don't bring him any any crap. The rest of the people will just quit or I'll say, nope, keep working with me until you prove you're ready to meet our developer. And then from there, our training that he does. So this is going to vary by where you live. Do not hold what we do here in Tampa as the gold, as a standard. Well, but it is kind standard. of the standard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying, but I am saying, you know, you know what you should do? You should do like the president. You should go like this. I'm not saying we have the best program on the nation. Some I'm people not are. saying, but listen, some people smart are saying, people, I don't know. Getting a lot of calls. Getting very, a lot of DMs, very smart people. Very smart people. Very smart people. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But this is the standard is, is just different. Um, depending on where you are. But what our developer does is he focuses on the physical training and the mental part of the training, right? So he's actually developing. The past tests, 
we our sessions are normally around five hours long. Um, the pass test is literally just the warm up. It's like, okay, let's get this knocked out. Now the real fun uh, starts. And sometimes, especially when I do mine, I don't tell them there's a development session afterwards. I just say, yeah, you're coming to have a tryout as a pass. And then when we finish that and they're dying, I'm like, all right, now the next three hours, we're really getting to work. And some of their eyes are just like, wait a minute. I thought, I thought that was a workout. But uh, Trent, can we, we get him? Has, can we get him down at ANS? Or I was going to say, like, you figured out that cadre, <laughs> that cadre mental warfare, that psychological warfare trick. You figured that out on your own. Congratulations! That's like running past the schoolhouse at the end of a run. That's really, really that never helpful. happens. Yeah. And then you continue tired. for another mile or so. That's the yeah, worst. I'm sorry, man. You're running past that school. You're like, oh, we're almost there. We're almost there. I can Dude, see it. And then the instructor keeps on running, and you're just like, I hope I die. I hope I just fall over so I don't have to finish this. You just roll like your ankle on purpose, yeah. Yeah, or let them walk for like three steps and then just take off again. Oh, double, that's dirty. Double time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. With, our, with our development program, you know, the chief focuses a lot on the physical. And I feel like, first of all, you don't need to be an operator or in these career fields that have mental toughness, right? That thing, that's something that translates across. And my job here is I, I read a lot. And all my books, not Harry Potter's and stuff anymore, but they're about mental strength, <laughs> resiliency, and toughness. And what my goal is when I have those workouts, I make them make a promise. I'm like, hey, let's make one deal. You can quit, but you have to wait until the workout's over. Is that a deal? And everyone's like, okay, sure. And at the end of it, it's just me showing them, look, you just finished a five, five and a half hour workout. Did you want to quit? Yeah, at some point. Did you hate my guts at some point? Well, yeah. You know, they, they start raising their hand, but I'm like, but look, you're still freaking here, right? So once once we get that into them, and then I bring him to Chief, and he puts them through his sessions, five, six, six and a half hours of just, just beating them, just beating them up, I know they're not going to quit, and they just get stronger and stronger. So it's just building that mental, that mental resiliency, that mental strength, and then improving – the small things, their strokes, their run gates. He's a personal trainer. He's a crazy swimmer. And forget his age. Like, he'll remind them. He'll slip in the water, you know, when, you know, just to remind these fools every once in a while, like, hey, don't, you know, this this is what I do. Hey, so it's all, favorite it's all part good to be humble. Program. But sometimes you got to let some people know. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah. Hey, no kidding. Mm-hmm. Say, so if we ever get him on the podcast, I, I know he's a developer and stuff, but if we ever get him podcast or next time you see him, at, to have him tell you the story about when he was a fishboat captain, because he was no kidding. Oh, he told me. Oh, man. He told me. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I, everybody else is probably going to be wondering, but it's basically he was a shipboat captain. I think he was 16 or 17 at the time. Bad, bad storm coming in. No, None of the other companies or the boats were going out. And his, you know, the actual skipper came by and said, you're going out and I'm paying you a bunch of money. And uh, what happened is they went out, storm got too bad, boat ended up um, collapsed or capsizing, and it was just him and another guy, and he ended up grabbing the other guy, and they they tread water, or he tread water, holding the guy up, because the guy was willing to just screw it, I'm just going to drown and, and die. So he, is it right, 14 hours he was treading water? In this storm with these these Some, seas, something longer than, than normal. Yeah, it was, was, it was crazy. <laughs> it was just an amazing story to tell, and he's just like, yeah, man, man you know, whatever. 
Yeah. I fought awesome. a shark. Doesn't Just do matter. what you gotta do. Yeah. You guys don't fight sharks and get in these fish boats. Befriended all the sea animals. <laughs> it's actually Aquaman. Yeah. Jason Momoa yeah, personally calls him his hero. <laughs> a little conch rode a dolphin in. Yeah, these these developers are really. I mean, they're it. They say that we are, but it, him, me, and Mousy just go back and forth with uh, compliments. You know, it's like, hey, it's, it's you, it's you, it's you. But having these people here, and it's not just for the uh candidates as well you know even for us for recruiters at airmen it's like just having another mentor and for these people to have people who are from the career field who can just speak from experience and not just a recruiter who turned wrenches on a plane is it is invaluable Absolutely. On that on that vein, Sergeant Spencer, I just want to get to this real quick because um, I have my own personal question. What makes you so passionate? Because you know you're doing, like I said before, more work than most recruiters have to do, and you're investing in these guys, and you're seeing the mentorship aspect of it, and the opportunity that you have to have an impact on these guys' lives. What makes you so invested in this kind of thing and uh, helping these guys out? So my my first few years in the Air Force, um, I remember getting out of tech school and saying I couldn't wait to get out. I was just like, man, I can't wait to get out of this thing. Um, and I was just a pretty hot-headed, loudmouth dude from California, attitude problem and everything. And it wasn't until I became an NCO, a staff sergeant, where uh, a switch just kind of flipped. And I actually got to start helping you know, other people and realizing, dang, like, I can really like mold people you know, and stuff like that, where that's what kept me in the Air Force. And then when I came into recruiting, uh, that kind of grew a little bit more. And then with special warfare recruiting, you know, even the people who show up and they run 18 minute mile and a half or can do zero pull-ups, just the fact that these people, I live in Tampa. We have people who get up Thursday mornings and drive three and a half hours. They wake up at 3 a.m., 4 a.m. every single week to come to a workout. So I guess my passion comes from is I just love, I love the human potential and having any freaking hand I can inside of that. You know, me and my developer joke sometimes is we're not just recruiters and developers. We're big brothers, we're uncles, we're father figures for a lot of, for a lot of these young men and young women. So I, I just, I don't know. It just fires me up when I, I get that call that, Hey, I made it through ANS. Hey, I have my beret, like seeing where they come from and seeing how they grow, even when they're not selected. Even if it doesn't work out, we know we leave something with them. So it sounds super gushy, but I swear to you, it is the, it is the truth. These, the people I work with who are joining our air force, that's, that's all the fuel and the, and the fire that, that I need to keep going. Yeah. I feel you right there. I totally get that. Yeah. 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 There was a ton of times of instru- when I was an instructor that I just felt that feeling of just pride. Like I put these guys through so much shit to get to this point and they hated me for so long and they probably <laughs> they talked still, behind my back do. at the team room. Yeah. yeah they, they still, still probably do. do hate me. I still get a, that's, uh, every that's, once in a while I'll get a cartoon from the schoolhouse. It's not very nice. I, I don't mind it. It's nice. <laughs> yeah. You just smile, look at it like, all right, but I still unpacked your guys' life. You're going to remember me for the rest of your life. Yeah. The hate, the hate is, the hate is real. I, I shouldn't even be, I, no, listen, I shouldn't be even snitching on myself like this, but I'll say it. There's been so many times where when guys are shipping 
you know, we'll, we'll have lunch or something before COVID hit just a last, Hey, and they'll say, you know what, Sergeant Spencer, I'll tell them, you know, I'm so proud of you, man. I'm so proud of everything and the hard work. They're like, it's funny, Sergeant Spencer, because you told him that, that you're one of the weakest swimmers you've ever seen when you met him and that you don't see how this is ever going to happen. I'm like, well, was he, what I said, did, I said that you tell like, people yeah. what they need to hear. <laughs> <laughs> I don't listen. I, I never remember that because I'm just like, well, look, look at you now. You're swimming eight minutes. So I guess it worked, right? They're like, well, yeah. After you said that, I went home and just like cursed you out in my head. And I really was just super pissed at you. So I'm like, if I need to be the person that you hate, so be it. You will appreciate it uh, later. What's what's the other option? Just saying, hey, it'll get it'll get better. Just keep sucking, and one day the swim fairy will just sprinkle some skill on you. No, it's not going to happen like that. <laughs> Wait a second. So, is there a swim fairy? Sometimes, <laughs> <laughs> sometimes that anger is the spark that just gets people going, and then they just keep on moving with it. Like I'm going to prove that dude wrong. Yeah, and wait and, until and, you see yeah. a whole team do it. Wait until you see a whole team get an instructor that they don't like as a as a culture or they don't like as like a team. Watch how they perform because they will go out of their way to prove that instructor wrong. It's it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. That uh, yep. that motivating factor can be can be sometimes useful. <laughs> Good. All right, Brian. Should we be focusing on endurance or more strength to help with carries and rocks? A hundred percent endurance and strength. <laughs> Ah, there you go. So yeah, yeah. what I <laughs> what on. I mean by that, <laughs> yeah, I want to make it confusing for you guys. So you have to work on obviously your rucking, your jerry can carries, your grip strength, and that kind of thing. And it's going to be for a long time. You, we had a thing, you know, where we have guys carry fifty pound jerry cans in each hand for over a mile, and you, that was just part of the ETD. You had to complete that event. Um, so it's just that full on endurance. It's, it's not like Sergeant Spencer's talking about in his development sessions. It's not going to be like a one hour, like, Hey guys, let's do, um, you know, just minute on minute off for an hour of flurry kicks or whatever it's going to be. All right. We're going to do that. That workout's done. And let's go to the pool. All right. That workout's done. And let's go for a ruck. All right. That workout's done. And let's go carry some heavy stuff and carry, but do buddy carries, do grass and gorillas. And then once that's done, you know, you guys will get a chance to take a, a quick 30 minute break, get some food in you. And then we're going to go for a run. So it's just over and over again. It's not like, all right, see if you can pick up this 300 pound object. And if you can do it 10 times, you're done for the day. It's nothing like that. It's just like um, when you're doing an actual mission, you're doing whatever, you're just going to have to keep on going until they tell you to stop. Yeah, nail it. <laughs> Got him. So I'm going to ask one more question, one final question, and then uh, I'll, I'll open it up to any parting shots. But this one's going to go to you, Spencer. Um, what is the minimum or the scores for ASVAB? And if someone doesn't score high enough for it or they want to retest, can they retest? And what are some of the ways that can help, they can help improve their score? Okay, great question. And once again, there is no singular answer for the ASVAB. So the ASVAB, you have your overall score, which is an AFQT. And normally when people brag about their scores, I got 70, I got 80, they're talking about that. But the air, the score is an average of four subscores. That's mechanical, administrative, general, and electrical. And all Air Force career fields have requirements in one or two of those areas. For a special warfare operator enlistment, you need a G score of 47. Okay, so 
when people call me and they say, Hey, I have a 70 overall in the ASVAB. Can I do special warfare? I'm like, I got to see uh, your sub scores. If you get above a 50 overall, you should be fine. Um, then you said, uh, uh, testing. So once you take the official, you can take a practice test with your recruiter in their office, or we can easily just email you a practice test to take. But once you take the official ASVAB, if you don't like your score, you have to wait 30 days and you can test again. Um, don't like that score. You can wait 30 days and test again. But after that third time, you have to wait six months to restart that process. And it's important to keep in mind that we keep the highest score. Okay. And then the last part on how can you improve? For, so for special warfare, math and English are what matter uh, on the on the aptitude test. Not saying the mechanics and the electrics and the spatial stuff is not, and the science stuff isn't important. You know, you do want to set yourself up in, in case the special warfare thing doesn't doesn't happen. But just make sure you work on the the math and the English the most. Most of the time, people are are great in one area. And horrible on the other. I'm great at English. I just finished a math class 10 years too late because I was scared of it the whole time. But um, just know what your strengths are. Download an app. I always recommend that because having a book is probably good to have. But an app, I mean, it's three ninety nine. dollars It's a Big Mac meal for your dream job. Like spend the freaking money and you have a phone on you at all times. You know, just whip it out in between commercials, on the bus whatever you're doing. So that's some ways that you can boost up that score. Yep. There are steady guys out there, so it'll help out. Follow up. Have you seen any correlation between those people that have high ASVAB scores yes. and those people yes. who have or was, low ASVAB scores and those people who make it? I, I just so, want to see, you know, you sample said, my ASVAB theory. What you said, uh, who said it? Was it, was it Aaron last week about the high score, low score? Who said that? I would, I would love to. It's Brian. Brian has come. Okay. He has a very well-developed ASVAB theory that you can get weighed down by that big old brain of yours. I'm just collecting data right now. <laughs> what you got? I got no numbers. We're going to put the numbers out when they're solid. But here's the thing. If you get if you walk into an ASVAB or recruiter and you got a, a straight 90 on your ASVAB, oh, no. I hope you're in shape, dog, because you get weighed <laughs> down by that big old brain. i don't know so my my caliber of candidates is very different from a normal recruiter right their their bread and butter is 17 through 19 or 20 right i get excited when guys call me who i think that the stats from uh what ans and special warfare prep the whole sw training wing is the perfect candidate is between the ages of 20 through 28 with some college and a bachelor's degree normally in history or something they're this tall and blah, 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 blah. So I, I have a lot of dudes um, with bachelor's degrees, right? Bachelor's and associates. And the ASVAB is written at a high school sophomore level. So if people score bad on it, it's probably because they've been out of school for a while or for other reasons. Um, but what other reasons? <laughs> <laughs> Trent had to ask. For, for, for some other reason. I don't know. Whatever causes you, the thing that causes you not to score well on the Bringing it back. Full circle. Quick shout out to Zach Braff and Donald Faison. I'm a fan. Fake doctor's real friend. The devil's lettuce. No. I'll send this clip to you. I've been trying to get on that podcast forever. I don't think it's going to work, but Scrubs is my favorite mm. TV show of all time. So don't smoke the devil's lettuce before the ASVAB. Got it. And just be smart. Don't be not smart. 
Um, and you should do, good, you should do good advice. Solid. <laughs> it tends to work. Okay. Wait a second. Uh, just be smart. Don't be stupid, <laughs> but you don't need super high scores. I see, I see, uh, I can't correlate. I'm sure the same way you guys said, you know, you see a big buff dude, people assume they're going to make it through. They quit second day. You see a skinny one and they, or someone who's below five foot and they, they make it through. Um, it's the same way with these scores. Like I, if someone gets a 99, and they're super buff. Th- th- those guys will quit quit on me at the same rate as someone who just barely made uh, the minimum standard. So I can't. I can't. Hey, if you're <laughs> not if you're not smart, you better be right. hard. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, I, I tell guys all true. the time. I tell them all the time: choose a struggle. When someone sucks at their run and their swim, I normally go up to them in the pool. Like you got to choose your struggle. You can suck at one here, but you can't suck at both. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a, that's actually a great statement. Choose your struggle and you suck at too many things. <laughs> All right. Well, does anybody have any follow-up questions or any, any burning questions that they wanted to ask before we wrap this up? I got an easy one, Spence. Hey, so you said you'd like to recommend a couple of books. We've had a, a bunch of guys throughout their, a uh, bunch of guests throughout their reading list. Is there any books that you recommend for, uh, for, for candidates that are in kind of your wheelhouse there? Is there something you'd like to start with? Uh, yes, sir. I will, I will go with two that I recommend to almost everyone. One, Relentless by Tim S. Grover. He was a physical trainer for Michael Jordan, um, Kobe Bryant, and LeBron. Yeah, I think all three. Just a legendary coach. Um, then second, The 10X Rule by Dan Card- uh, Cardone. About doing everything in life to the extreme, like 10 times the effort. So those books, the 10X rule, I know everyone normally comes on and, and lists all, all of the spec war books. I think all of your listeners already know about those. These two, I just said, are just for basic being relentless in life, period, no matter what you're, what you're pursuing. So those are, those are my two books. It's perfect. That's exactly why I asked. I knew you'd have a different perspective. So appreciate it. And we'll make sure to add those two to the ones ready reading list. And uh, I'll probably throw them in the, uh, in the YouTube comment section as well. Nice. Thank you. Yeah, giddy up. So as we wrap this up, we covered a litany of different topics uh, throughout there. So if you submitted a question to Instagram and we answered it, we appreciate it. If you submitted it and we didn't answer it, we still appreciate it. Sorry we couldn't get to everything, but I mean, there was 50 or 60 questions on here and it was up for three or four hours before we before we started recording this. So uh, we appreciate that kind of engagement and hopefully we are engaging with you over Instagram or Facebook or over email. And that is info at onesready.com. And then go ahead, Spence. Hey, before you wrap up completely, I want to, and I have to, these recruiters are out here doing a lot of this job that you guys see on Instagram. That's, that's a small part of it. All of these special warfare recruiters and, and are out here grinded for these candidates. Like, the stuff that we do to help to help these folks out. Um, so just a big shout out to all of these special warfare recruiters out here. Um, just grinding. I respect them all. It's kind of a thankless job sometimes. Absolutely. And thanks for everything that you and everybody else has done as well. It's uh, we reach out and, and tag a bunch of sores and normal recruiters mm-hmm. pretty regularly. So I just tend to, uh, go to you since since we're local and you and I have a pretty good working <laughs> relationship. So, <laughs> but 
uh, again, thanks for joining us. And if you guys check out our reading list at uh, onesready.com, and then you guys can email us at info at onesready.com. Follow us at at onesready. And then uh, we each have our own individual. And then Spencer, you said that your Instagram is at Tampa Spec War. Uh, Tampa.AFSpecWar.Recruiter. That is, that's it. If you type in Tampa Special Warfare, I think I'm the only one that will come up for it. Nailed it. Okay, everybody. Appreciate everybody joining us. And uh, you guys go out there and train hard. Later. All right. Later. Don't Don't be a dummy. (laughs) Don't be a dummy. (laughs) Nailed it.